Yes, last today to the way seagrass in big mast plantings is being used in a range of riverine and ocean settings around Australia to restore damaged and overused habitats. Today, we're going to focus on Sydney Harbour, where the degraded seafloor is the result of 250 years of urbanisation and industry. Project Restore is a multi-million dollar plan led by the Sydney Institute for Marine Sciences and it forms part of the even bigger Seabirds to Seascapes initiative. It wants to rewild and restore marine habitats for penguins and seals and seahorses and turtles. Now alongside the seagrass is another strand focused on providing sea creatures with more seawall habitat. If you live in Sydney, you might have seen the big textured tiles that are bolted to the harbour walls in some of the trial locations. Joining me now are two of the project leads, Professor Adriana Vegas, a marine ecologist at the University of New South Wales, an expert in seagrasses, and also on the line is Professor Melanie Bishop from Macquarie University. She's a coastal ecologist and one of the leaders of the Living Seawalls program. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Um, Adrian, why why is it so important to focus on restoration of the seagrass beds in the harbour? Do they support a lot of the marine ecosystem? Yeah, that's right. So seagrasses are what we call foundational habitats. So they underpin a lot of the biodiversity that you would naturally find in estuaries. So they are incredibly productive ecosystems. They capture large amounts of carbon and they store large amounts of carbon as um, in the sediment. They also act as what we say, um, what we call nursery habitats. So a lot of the fish that we like to eat and catch, for example, they spend their earlier years as juveniles in seagrass meadows. They also protect our shorelines from erosion. They keep sediments in place and they keep the water clearer as well because the particles settle and get retained in the seagrass sediment. So they play incredibly important ecosystem functions. And in Sydney Harbour, uh, we've seen a very, very extensive loss of seagrasses in the last And why is decade. that? For many reasons. So seagrasses like to live in the sheltered bays uh, where we like to also live and settle. So coastal development, pollution have historically been the main causes of the decline. However, recently, uh, boat moorings are one of the main problems uh, that seagrasses face. And that's because the moorings have these heavy chains that um, scrape the seafloor and, and remove the seagrass and everything else um, on its way. So they are quite a vulnerable uh, species, the seagrass then? They are in a way. I mean, they, they're very uh, slow growing. Um, so they're what we call a climax, uh, you know, species. So they they can they they can resist a lot of stressors. However, it, when it comes to urbanisation, um, they're declining too fast because of so many different multiple impacts right. that have accumulated. And I know that the similar work underway, uh, particularly in South Australia, and planned for WA. I see. So th- this is um, this is a story that is growing. Is that correct? 
That is correct, exactly. And it is actually the same species of seagrass that we find along, you know, more than 8,000 kilometers of coastline in southern Australia. So it is a, it's, it's called Posidonia and it's incredibly beautiful and important for the, you know, half of the continent, essentially. Just thinking of how much a lot of these um, environments are used by boat owners and by people who love it, what's the alternative to the traditional boat moorings then, which are obviously can be so damaging? So the problem with the swing moorings is the, is the chain that drags along the seafloor. So there's a new type of moorings. They're called environmentally friendly moorings and they're relatively new. They've actually been around for a while and what they have in common, and there's lots of different designs, is that they replace the chain with a new tree buoyant alternative. It might be rubber, it might be other materials like Mm, elastics that don't drag along the seafloor. And these mooring designs have been used successfully in many places around the world. So we're now trying to introduce them to Sydney um, so that we can restore the seagrass without the main cause of the decline being ongoing. Can you actually see it easily or do you have to dive deep to, to see all of this seagrass? I mean, you can see it if if you go for a walk and you get a little bit of uh, perspective onto the seafloor. You'll see that wherever there's boats, there's like a it's like a a mooring scar. It's like a halo of white kind of whiter water, which is sand, and that's the that's the scar that the mooring chain is creating. So you can see it from yeah from the surface of the water. Right. And you've got this very interesting um, a range of volunteers who are helping you replant seagrass. <laughs> it's Operation Posidonia, I think you've called it. That, that's right. Yeah. So the big challenge with Posidonia in the east coast of Australia is that it doesn't reproduce with fruits and flowers. So in Western Australia, for example, the restoration is happening with fruits. But in Eastern Australia, biologically, the species just doesn't produce enough fruits, which means that the only way for us to restore it is to use seagrass fragments. However, the the meadows in Sydney Harbour are so fragmented that we don't have enough seagrass to move from one place to another. So the way we're doing the restoration is actually getting volunteers, citizen scientists, to help us collect fragments of seagrass that become naturally detached after storms and winds and tides. And they're the fragments that we now use for the restoration. In this instance, because in Sydney Harbour there's not enough of it left, we're going to be translocating the seagrass from Peatwater and Port Hacking and bringing it into Sydney Harbour. That's how we're going to do the restoration. And it's, yeah, it's the first time that has been attempted um, in Australia. And do you need, um, how do you, you, before I go to Melanie, who's been very patient, how do you actually do the planting? Do you need scuba divers doing the work or something? Yes, we do. Um, But it is essentially underwater gardening, uh, like you were saying at the beginning of this uh, section. Um, We have scuba divers and then they're essentially the underwater gardeners that pin the seagrass fragments onto the seafloor. Uh, And in fact, one of our listeners has said that uh, another issue is the broken down down neglected boats. Too many of them, lots of bays filling up with them, uh, which I, I presume they would be using these chains too. That's right, yeah. And and I guess doubly painful because the boats are not even being used. Yes, Um, yes, I agree. How annoying. (laughs) Uh, Melanie, um, 
For someone who hasn't seen the textured tiles, because this is the other strand of the Living Seawalls project, could you describe them, please, and what they do? Yeah, so the panels are about half a metre in diameter. Um, they're roughly hexagonal in shape, and they come in 10 different three-dimensional geometries um, in terms of their surface texture that mimic the features of nature. So I think, um, I guess, crevices, little water-retaining rock pools, uh, the complex geometries of mangrove roots or the root structure of kelps. And so the panels are designed to be interlocking um, and are installed in mosaics that can be customised uh, to sites. And so why are we doing this? Well, if you've ever been to a rock platform, you'd know that most of the life is not found on the bare rock surface. It's actually found in the rock pools, in the crevices um, and in the depressions. And so the problem is that now in Sydney Harbour, we have over 50% of our shoreline that has been modified by built structures such as seawalls. And compared to these rocky reefs, they tend to have very smooth, featureless surfaces that lack those nooks and crannies that life really depends on. So what we're doing with living seawalls is trying to reintroduce those missing three-dimensional geometries to these built structures. Right. And so what these do, they're um, increasing surface area for uh, attachment and they're providing protective spaces for these animals and plants as well. And I think you're even using 3D, is that correct, as part of your uh, repertoire? Yeah, so the panels are designed um, using computer computer software and then uh, the initial concept is 3D printed uh, and then we can either use a moulding process to produce them or else the panels can be 3D printed themselves. Now they've been trialled, these big seawall tiles, they've been trialled in the harbour already uh, as well I understand it as in 11 other locations around the country and internationally in Singapore, in Gibraltar and in Wales. Uh, how well do they work? Is, is it more than a very good idea, I suppose I'm asking? Yeah, so the first living seawalls were installed under the Harbour Bridge at Milsons Point and Sawmillers Reserve um, at McMahon's Point in late 2018. Um, and we've now got over 20 sites actually with new ones coming online in Plymouth, the UK and uh, in Boston soon. And so um, with our scientific monitoring, we found that in a space of three years, we're already having over 115 species of invertebrates and seaweeds colonising the panels. And when we compare this to adjacent stretches of seawall that have been unmodified, this is actually 36% more species. Um, and this is an especially great figure considering that these panels are initially bare and the adjacent seawall in some instances has decades of growth. And so the types of things that are coming and living on the panels are things like water, uh, oysters that are really important in um, filtering the water and also things like kelp um, that store carbon. And the benefits extend to fish as well. So we're seeing up to four times more fish using the panels as well. Gee, um, Sydney Harbour, and I presume, you know, as I said, I know this is very much underway in parts of uh, South Australia especially, it sits across a large number of council areas. Are you finding that councils are generally on board with the project? Yeah, absolutely. Councils have been hugely supportive and um, within days of the announcement of this project, we actually had councils contacting us, offering us up sites for installations. Uh, which is great because we're really much dependent on them, not only for landowner consent, um, uh, but also advocacy and education. And there are some great examples already from the Living Seawalls Project of councils working with us to um, 
developed some really great uh, public signage, um, commissioning sculptors to help communicate the message of what we're trying to do. And I know, Adriana, you have an interesting take on this in that, in, in a sense, the legal environment isn't really fit for this kind of work. What do you mean? Well, the one of the problems we have when we try to do restoration is that we have to put in application forms, etc. And the only application forms that exist are ones that have been created for to avoid damaging the environment. So often we're filling in forms, you know, which are, you know, permit to harm marine vegetation, for example, when we're, we're doing it's the exact opposite. But we, it's like the, the policy and the legislation hasn't yet caught up with um, the need to restore habitat. So it's not enough to, to protect what we have. Unfortunately, we have lost so much that we actually need to actively restore and bring back what was here. And that requires uh, new frameworks, new legislation uh, to enable it uh, and, and hopefully accelerate this recovery. Well, well done. Gosh, very interesting. I'll look a bit more closely. Uh, Adriana Verges, thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. From the University of New South Wales and Professor Melanie Bishop from Macquarie University. Uh, thank And all, all the volunteers, by the way, who might be listening on Project Planting the uh, Seagrass. Thank you again. Thank you. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.